Welcome to episode 6 of the Dreamcast, a podcast created by the students of the Otis Music Camp in Macon, Georgia. Each episode of the Dreamcast will feature stories and conversations with exceptional artists from our hometown of Macon, Georgia, and around the world. This week, Dreamcast producer Christopher Timothy, aka Prophecy, invited the great musician, producer, and composer Chris Polt to be interviewed on the Dreamcast. Holt is a musical powerhouse who mostly works behind the scenes, working with artists like Pharrell, Lupe Fiasco, Brian McKnight, and many others. In this interview, he shares insights into developing a career as a musician, collaborating with other musicians, and the impact artists like Otis Redding have had on him. Uh, how you doing, Chris? Uh, first of all, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Chris. Uh, uh, why don't you tell the people a little bit about what you do and who you are? Uh, well, my name is Chris Polt. I am a songwriter, producer, composer, uh, piano player, um, educator. Being behind the scenes a lot, you know, I feel like it's hard to get a lot of the credit that maybe these artists that you work with will get. You know, I know you've worked with people like Pharrell Williams, who are known to be in the spotlight. But yeah. um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your collaborations and, you know, the things you've contributed to um so yeah i uh actually started producing in uh, the pharrell camp uh, right out of college um i did a lot of and at that time i did a lot of background stuff so i did a lot of keyboard playing a lot of producing in the background um with a lot of new artists that were under him um and uh later on got to work with uh swiss beats uh did a, a Cassidy album with Swiss Beats, um, a producer by the name of Rich Harrison, who produced uh, A. Marie, did some songs with uh, her. Later on, got to produce uh, Lupe Fiasco, who's a hip hop artist, uh, and uh, got a Grammy nomination for that. I uh, did his second album, I did about five songs in his album. Um, then later on, transitioned, I went on tour with them, I went on tour with Kanye and NERD. And, Chris Brown, um, played piano for a lot of them. Um, later on, transitioned over to doing film scores. And that was really cool. But, you know, working in the background, it's tough because, yeah, like you say, you don't get as much notoriety, but the fulfillment comes when you hear your music on the radio and getting paid for something that you love to do. What would you say your your favorite collaboration was? Huh. Good question. Um, Lupe, Lupe Fiasco. That was that was awesome. Um, I was in Chicago most of that year, and we it was uh, it was a lot of freedom. Like so, in this industry, a lot of times in the you know producing industry, it's more so. Hey, you have to do songs like this. You have to do. We you know we need songs that sound like this. But when I started working with them. And also with Pharrell, and it was a lot of freedom. It was like, you know, just do what you do and we'll make it work. So that was that was really, that was a, a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. You know, Lupe, his music is so different, and it was real trailblazing. You know, yeah. he's one of the best rappers of all time. You know, they always put him on that top 50 list. Yeah. But I can definitely see how that's one of your favorites with uh we you know we do everything through the otis redding foundation and otis redding was you know very influential to this new generation of music so uh mm -hmm. how would you attribute you know what you've been able to do with the people you've been able to do it uh to 
Otis Redding? Well, he's a he's a pioneer. I mean, and, and he has songs that kind of uh, were the backdrop of you know my childhood and even you know my parents and even now like I hear his songs in TV commercials and um I think there was like a cell phone commercial that he used this song not too long ago um so yeah and so you know those things stick stick in you stick in your head they stick in your heart and um and they're wholesome like you know a lot of songs today you know you can't you know not everybody can listen to but you know his music is kind of generational and universal. So it really does help to kind of cleanse the palate and allow, you know, uh, you to be more creative and thinking of ways to make music that is more generational and more uh, universal for you, you to listen to. Uh, so you said you've done a little bit of producing, but now you're also into movie scores. Uh, how's that transition like? Yeah, so that was that was a blessing because that's something I always wanted to do, didn't know kind of how to get into it. And um, I uh, I was actually teaching at the time and I uh, spoke to so uh, Pharrell's best friend, Shay. He's the one who kind of uh, started me off in this whole venture. And I was talking to him one day. I'm like, yeah, you know, I really love to do film scores. And he happened to be doing a movie that Queen Latifah gave, gave him. And he said, you know what, why don't you do it? And I was like, really? So that's what kind of started me off and everything. Um, I did that movie with a director by the name of Jamal Hill. He's out of Philadelphia. He's awesome, came came from Will Smith's camp. And um, after that, it kind of, you know, just uh, snowballed and I started doing, I did a documentary for PBS, I've done stuff for HBO, you know, Nickelodeon. And um, doing several films now on Netflix, so yeah, it kind of that was a big blessing, and uh, I, I like it a lot more than actually producing because um, it's a lot more expression than you know doing the you know doing tracks and stuff like that. If you're comparing just being a producer and working just on, on albums with an artist and and film score, like what is it to an average to someone who's listening to this and doesn't know? The difference like what what is the process like i mean what is, you know it's it's a dramatically different experience it's, i'm sure it's extremely different i remember getting into it i uh you know i had credits in the production and i was telling one of my managers like hey i should be get, be able to get film scores because i i've been doing this and he's like absolutely not they want to know you know how to do this that you know so it is a different process and um Producing, you're working with an artist. However, you still have their label kind of on you, overseeing everything, making sure things are commercial, th making sure things fit into what their vision is for that artist. And you, you're pleasing, you're trying to please a lot of different people. Um, with composing, in my experience, I find that it's more in my hands. Um, they have more of a respect for everybody's part. So the director directs, producer produces the whole thing, and the composer, that's your expertise. We, we go through the movie. I take my notes that the director gives me, and then we get the feel for things, but then they leave me. And they say, hey, now you know what you got to do, and 
they give me the time to do it and everything like that. And it's a, it's a, it's a, for me, it's a lot more fulfilling because I'm a, I like to really play. Like I'm a, I come from jazz. I'm a real piano player, and, and it's a lot more expressive to compose to picture and sure. you know feelings and things like that that you can grab from the picture and then express them musically. Cool. What's your jazz? What's your jazz background? Kind of, I, I I love jazz. I'm a saxophone oh, player. So uh, oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who. Where, where do you come from, or what, who do you really love? <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, well, first of all, my family, all musicians, come from a yeah. musical family. Um, I'm related to Duke Ellington. Are you really? Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, so I listened to jazz my whole life. So that's wow. that's like my thing. So I played piano. I didn't actually get into piano until about high school. Okay. Uh, late high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my parents tried to get me into it when I was younger. wasn't interested. You know, it was a thing. But then fell in love with it on my own and mm-hmm. just practiced and practiced. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's that's my thing. You know, I read music. I went to school for sure. uh, music engineering, but I minored in piano. And this is in, in Virginia? Was yeah, it? Hampton University. In At Hampton, yeah. We, we talked to someone else. Our last guest was from Hampton, too. Oh, yeah? Oh, awesome. It's a great school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of great people come out of there. <laughs> yep. And, um, yeah, I'm working with a producer now, uh, Chris Henderson. Mm-hmm. He uh, did uh, Blame It on Alcohol with Jamie Foxx. Sure. He came out of Hampton University. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of great people come out of Hampton. So, Chris, what would you say is next for you? Um. Well, Currently, I am working on a few films. Um, so I worked on a movie called True to the Game that was like a, an adaptation of a graphic novel by Terry Woods. And so I'm working basically on three of those movies and another movie she just uh, that was a book called Dutch. Um, I just finished... Uh, Brian McKnight's last album and that just came out about a month ago and there's a few other artists on his on the label he signed to that I'll be working on and uh, yeah so you know and that's it you know I'm pretty happy because I've been working during this pandemic I've been lucky enough to be working during this pandemic Um, so it's slower than it usually is but you know I, I do have a couple of movies lined up right now do you feel like the pandemic has affected your creativity or efficiency any, or you feel like it's almost think, like post? Uh, you know what? I think it affects everybody in different ways, you know, and it's bittersweet because, you know, I, I have an outlet with piano and an outlet with creating, but it's also you do miss the socialization and the being in front of people and being able to, just that whole thing. So, you know, it, it's it's bittersweet, I, I, I can say. Yeah, I definitely get that, you know, because um, our Otis Music Camp had to move to virtual this year. Uh-oh. You know, thankfully, yeah, thankfully we were able to, you know, still do it. And mm-hmm. we, we got on here, you know, we got on Blue Jeans uh, every day and we did workshops and we had guests. Awesome. But, um, you know, the music was still there. But it wasn't the same as, you know, getting to go in person and yeah. being in the studio, working with the engineers, you know, it's different. But uh, with creating, I think there's there's always a way around 
whatever roadblock is there. There's always ways to adapt and then almost gain inspiration from these things that come out of nowhere. Yeah, so it's uh, it's always good. It's always good. Yeah, I'm working currently with um, one of Lady Gaga's uh, engineers, and we're doing a few a few projects, and that we work virtually. You know, I we throw them on the video and. You know, we send each other files, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I like that sound. Let's go with that." You know, and yeah, you find you find workarounds, and that's that's the good part. And then, like you said, more things may come out of those workarounds that wouldn't have if you know you were right in front of each other. So yeah. And one of the cool, you know, one of the cool side effects of the whole pandemic was that we got we could talk to people like you who you know we wouldn't normally have contact with. We wouldn't be able to get you to come to Macon, Georgia, or whatever right, necessarily. Right, right. So, so we had during the camp we had these just amazing guests. It would be cool to have. I, I don't know if you'd ever do that next year. We, we could have you come to, to be a virtual guest sometime Absolutely, or something like yeah, that because the kids yeah. would love that just to see someone who's had success in these different worlds. But we had yeah. just every day a great artist would come and just kind of we'd patch them in through through the blue jeans and just have them talk to the kids. So it was awesome. Do you have students or do you work with children ever? Or oh, absolutely. So um, I used to run an after-school program um, for years, for about nine years. Um, and we did everything from art to music to baking to everything, you know, things like that. Um, I used to also teach uh, second grade. Um, yeah, and um, I have a family of educators as well. So we're educators, we're musicians, all that. Um, and I used to, prior to this, I had piano students. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't done the virtual thing, but, um, you know, I'm, I might get into that. I might get into that. Yeah, so, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, all children should at least try something musical because you yeah. never know. And, and, and it's, a, it's an amazing outlet. It's a, you sure. know, yeah. And, it's, um, and it sparks other things, other creativity in your brain and it links to you know my daughter right now she throws on jazz to do her homework oh that's great right and she and it's like you know warms my heart you know she's like oh right. alexa turn on wbgo you know yeah. things like that so that's you know it's really cool and you know and she it's like a, almost a ritual now and her backdrop and that's awesome that's great and i think it's so important and this is just one more thought i'll put out there like um, for me, like you know, I was a student. I was a student of music and stuff like that. But no one ever told me. I never saw people like you, like how they navigated the world, like how they navigated the music world, like how you had success. Like it's that, that's to me, that's like the really missing piece in education, like in music education. It's like seeing successful people. What did they do? How they put it together? Because like you're, you know, you've gone from, you know, you've made these connections as a producer and a musician, and all of a sudden you're doing film scoring and stuff like that. I know Chris, you've said that before too. Like at the Otis Music Camp, they do show the kids these success stories and like how how do you navigate professionally? How do you conduct yourself? How do you do split sheets? How do you do? How can you make money? You know, it's like these practical things that music school we learn about how to read music or whatever, or how to improvise. But the idea of navigating the business world, I think that's something that's unique uh, that the foundation does. And having guests like you on the podcast, I'm hoping that can be something people can see. How how, how can you be successful as a musician? So yeah. just, just kind of putting that out there. But I think that's an important piece. Yeah, um, definitely. Like, you know, I, I fortunately and unfortunately had to learn along the way. You know, you learn by your mistakes and... Um, you learn by, you know, you meet good people and you meet not so good people. And 
you have to learn how to navigate through those things. And that's, that's, that is a tough part. Um, you hopefully get good people in your corner. Um, but you also have to learn a lot of it for yourself. So you have to learn the financial on your own. You have to learn contract reading. It's huge. You know, I have people that help me with that, but I can read it just as thoroughly as they can and I can understand it. Um, and it's you have to treat it like a business. And that's a lot of times, like you said, you get into school and it's, you know, they, they teach you about how to play and how to read and um, how to be a professional musician, but they don't teach you the business behind it and that it is a business. Um, even if you're going to play for an orchestra, you know, it, it's, it's the same. You still have to treat it as a business. And that is the, the toughest part of this whole this whole journey is treating it as a business. Is there anything you'd like to plug? You know, anything upcoming or anything you just feel the audience should know? Um, well, if, you know, getting, like I said, getting into the music business is, it's not, it's not easy. Um, and you have to really do your homework. You have to really, you know, keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> um, make sure, you know, you're not getting taken advantage of, things like that. Um, but also the reward is amazing. You know, because you're you're getting your art out there, and you also are, you know, you're privileged to do something that you love to do, and then it doesn't become work after that. So, you know, I say, you know, work hard. And, you know, as as with any industry, you know, you work hard, and you'll see the results. Um, it may be, you know, working overnight and, uh, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, but you know, you you will make it work, and as long as you stick to it, and um, network <laughs> that's the key i know it's cliche but networking that's the only way i got to where i was and if you know i could have had all the talent in the world but if i didn't network and put myself out there and uh, make great relationships with people then i wouldn't be where i am today yeah and as far as far as plugs or anything like that you know right now i have a brian mcknight album out you know you can go check that out and I have a few, you know, movies along the way, and I have a very unique last name, so you can just Google that, and it'll pop right up. And I think your career is so it's illustrative to students and to anyone who listens to just that. The, obviously, the networking you talked about has been yes. so vital. Um, and again, that's what then, and that's what the foundation. That's what I was so impressed with, with the because because the foundation is you know the family of Otis Redding kind of continuing his legacy and it's teaching kids yeah. how to do what you do, how to be someone like you, you know to, you know have the, have these musical skills, but then how do you turn that into a career, you know? Exactly. I think there's a cliche of like the musicians who are like oh you know musicians don't make that much money or they struggle and it's like no 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 like there are people who are who are, are you know that, who have yeah. these amazing careers and it's not necessarily you know it's not I don't know their name as well as Pharrell. But they right. have these ama amazing careers in music. Um, so I, I think someday we'll see Chris doing that kind of a thing, too, Absolutely. doing something, you know, because he's, he's on that path. Yeah. Um, just a great musician and, you know, someone who's really smart. <laughs> yeah, no, so, I can tell. I can tell. Uh, I heard you talking a lot about the Otis Rating Foundation and then me, the track that I hope to be on, you know, and I attribute uh, a significant portion of that 
to the foundation and what the foundation has given me, you know, opportunities even like this, you know, being here on a podcast, able to bring in people like Chris to help educate me and educate, you know, listeners. And I was on the other side of this when I was just a camper first year being introduced to all these amazing people who were capable of so many things and teaching me how to get to places like this. It's almost like a blessing, you know, having, and it's so funny because I had no idea about the foundation when I went to the camp. It was, I think I saw an ad like on Facebook trying to find out what I was going to do for that summer. It was like eighth grade. And then I walk in and immediately I'm like, yeah, I'm coming back next year. And I kept coming (laughs) back and I kept learning so much more. And now I'm here and you know, Chris, bringing you in, it's it's a huge honor for me because this is my first, you know, uh, almost like curator position. You know, I, I yeah. was able to reach out to you. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and actually put together something successful. So, you know, this is a big accomplishment for me. And I thank you and I thank the foundation and um, I'll be in touch with you after this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all, man. Yeah. And then when yeah. I come to uh, Georgia, we'll we'll gig. We'll yeah, maybe. Yeah, we. I would love to meet <laughs> you in person. Yeah, we. Yeah, oh, Chris will meet in Atlanta, or we'll meet in Macon, or something like that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. Yeah. Thank sure. you. Thank you so much. It's really we appreciate your time. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode six of the Dreamcast. The Otis Redding Foundation would like to thank the following people and organizations for their continuous support. The Otis Redding Estate. The Otis Redding Foundation. The Knight Foundation. Georgia Council for the Arts. The Community Foundation of Central Georgia. The United Way of Central Georgia. The Dreamcast is produced by Jamie Alilaw and Matt Miller with student journalists Christopher Timothy, Jocelyn Rowley, Hayden Nichols, and Gina Branch. Our theme music was composed and performed by Zach Wilson. This episode also featured music written and produced by Chris Polt. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for more episodes of The Dreamcast. The rich have the cure. The rich take the poor on the source. Revolutionary say a psychological war invented by the press.